Good morning, church. This is the Sunday message for October 10th. I hope you are well. So we're back to the lectionary this week, and I appreciate your patience on the series I just did. Growing up, I got my fair share of wounds. I played a lot outside, often romped in the wood, barefoot, shirtless, got lots of cuts, scratches, and bruises. And one of my least favorite experiences was getting a splinter. My dad would often use a needle to get it out, and I didn't like that. I would often pull my foot back. I would yank it back. Like, Dad, that hurts. I remember my dad would always say, Son, you have to let me take it out. If we leave it in, it will only get worse. But it hurts, I would complain. And Dad would say, It will hurt for a second, but it will soon get better. And if you want to get better, you have to be willing to hurt a little bit. And eventually, I'd let him get the splinter out. It did hurt briefly, but then I was all better. As Christians, <clears throat> we believe God speaks. As Christians, we believe God talks to us. And one of the main ways, main ways we hear God is through the Bible. God breathed out the Bible through humans, and when we listen to the Bible, we hear the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's great joy and pleasure in that, but not all the time. Sometimes the Bible hurts. Sometimes when I listen to the voice of God, I'm, I'm bothered by what I hear. And there's a human tendency to silence the voices we don't like. At Ackland, we want to cultivate a respect for God's word, not just when we like it, but especially when we don't like it. This morning, I'd like to start with our epistle reading before coming back to the gospel reading. So the epistle reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is God's word. At least twice in the Bible, the word of God is described as a sword here and in Ephesians 6, where the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. The Bible is a sword, and it's an essential description, but it does call for wisdom. For the Bible is not a sword we use on others. The Bible is a sword that cuts us open when we hear it, cuts people open, but we must be careful about using that sword on others. I mean, certainly, we proclaim the Word of God, and we should proclaim the Word of God to others, but we must let God wield that sword, not us. We must exercise caution. Yeah, but our tendency is to go around using the sword and battles against others. As Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount, there's a tendency to see the splinter in another while not seeing the plank in our own eye. Back to that Ephesians 6 passage, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the enemy's not each other. Like, the enemy's not humans. 
The sword of the spirit, the Bible, is used against evil spiritual powers. Our default posture cannot be throwing the bottle at others, but rather our default, post default posture should be throwing the Bible at ourselves. We must let the Bible cut us open instead of using it to protect ourselves while we cut others. But this is hard because we have a baked-in resistance to being cut open. Our survival instinct of self-protection often works against how Jesus wants us to reflect and vulnerably assess our lives. A gospel reading today shows what happens when the words of Jesus cut someone open and how they respond by refusing to let it lead and heal them. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 31. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is God's word. So a man ran up to Jesus with a desire to inherit eternal life. Other phrases get used for this. Salvation, entering the kingdom. And Jesus signals right at the beginning that this conversation will not be what the man expects. He reframes the well-intentioned, almost like a kiss-up technique, this good teacher greeting. He reframes it by saying, no one's good but God alone. Of course, the rest of the passage proves that no one is totally good. Anyway, Jesus responds by referencing several of the Ten Commandments. And incredibly, the man responds by saying he's obeyed them his entire life. People debate whether he had or not. Maybe he's lying. Maybe he followed the letter of the law but not the spirit. Maybe he's just self-deceived. It's a good conversation, but I want to move on to what Jesus is doing. Jesus is reading him. We often think of the Bible as reading God's word. We rarely think about how Jesus uses the Bible to read us. It's a two-way thing. And Jesus' words reveal this. This rich man loves money more than God. This rich man trusts in God more than money. And Jesus reads his heart. Your treasure is where your heart is, and his heart was in his money. So Jesus cuts his heart open by asking him to sell everything, 
and give it to the poor. He knew the only way for this man to find the kingdom was to free his heart, and the only way for this guy to free his heart was to give 100% away. This man followed the rules, but he didn't have a relationship with God. And Jesus knew his pressure point. Jesus knew his weakness. Jesus' words exposed him, but the man didn't want any of that. He wanted his money and Jesus. He wanted to make money his treasure and make Jesus the cherry on top of the Sunday. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. And he left sad. And Jesus responds with, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And for 2,000 years, many Christians have tried to say, This doesn't mean what you think it means. For years and years, preachers have tried to tone this down. Because if taking at face values, this stings. So what do we do? We like to take the sting out. And I would encourage us all to resist that desire to take the sting out. We live in the richest country in the world. And by global standards, we're all rich. We are awash in prosperity and opportunity. So if this passage stings, let it stings. It's supposed to sting. God's word cuts us open. It doesn't cut us open to defeat us. It cuts us open to heal us. Like my dad trying to take a splinter out of my foot. As humans, we have a desire to make the Bible say what we want it to say. And I recognize I have the same tendency, even as I get up here every week, trying to offer healthy biblical interpretation. Often we read the Bible and we don't like what it says. There's a temptation to take the edge off. There's a tendency to say, oh, that was back then. There's a desire to say, it doesn't mean what you think it means. And certainly we must be wise interpreters. And obviously here at Ackland, we've gone through some very careful and deliberate biblical interpretation as we considered various things about our public worship. And I don't deny the reality of that. Still, I think we need to say this out loud. We're drawn to the parts of the Bible that agree with us, and we minimize or seek to spend the parts that don't. We don't like the sting. God wants to use the Bible to make us like God, but we often use the Bible to try to make God like us. So I think we need to say that out loud, and I think we need to agree to let the Bible sting. God's words will cut us open and reveal our pressure point. Jesus will reveal our idols. <clears throat> Every year, you know, around the, the season of Lent, many at Aklan give something up. And when I first started following that tradition, it was actually before I came to Ackland. I remember once asking a mentor advice on how to select what to give up. You know, I didn't grow up fasting. So it was new, and I was trying to wrestle as an adult with, with how to practice fasting. So I went to a mentor and I said, when fasting, what do you choose to fast from? And I'll never forget the answer. They said, find the thing that you can't give up and then give that up at least for a while. I mean, think about it. Food is the most common fast, and we can't live without food. That's why we need to give it up, because we can't live without it. So we must give it up, at least for a while, to show what's truly important and to, to embrace what's truly important. Most of us, including me, like to give up some things on the edges, like some chocolate here, some TV there. But what would hurt... I mean, what would really hurt to give up? Food, drink, money, sex, technology. And we think, well, I can't live without those things. I need those things. Yeah, I hear you. So you need to give them up. 
Because it's only by giving them up that you'll find freedom. It's not to punish you, but to hurt you. Jesus didn't want to hurt the rich man. He wanted to help the rich man. And it wasn't hurting, but it was it was healing that Jesus was trying to do. If you want to be healthy, let the Bible sting. It may hurt for a second, but it will bring healing. The disciples struggle with this and ask, well, who then can be saved? If this guy can't be saved, none of us can, right? He's an all-star. Jesus, we left it all for you. Does this mean it was all pointless? Jesus, this all stings. What's going on? And I love what Jesus says in 27. He looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Yep, you can't be saved on your own, but I can save you. Surrender your heart and you will be saved. Follow me, nothing else, and the kingdom is yours. Jesus doesn't expect perfection, but he does ask for our hearts. We'll never be perfect, but Jesus will not settle for second place. Jesus wasn't trying to hurt this man. He was trying to heal this man. Look at verse 21. He loved him. He wanted to cut him open in order to heal him. This is the grace of God. This is the love of God. And it takes me back to Hebrews 4, the end of that passage, starting in verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one that has been tempted every way, just as we are. Yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus doesn't cut us open to spoil our fun, devastate us, ruin our lives, or give us arbitrary commands. Jesus wants us to flourish. God wants what's best for us. God wants to talk to us. So let's resist the urge to tame the Bible. Let's let Jesus cut us open so that our wound of sin, our splinter of sin, can be taken out and we can find healing. You know, family, I need this healing. As Jesus cut me open this week, I kept coming back to this memory over and over again. When Beth and I first bought a house, probably in the first year of our marriage, our HVAC system had a problem. And we had very little money. And I was concerned. I, I'll be honest, I was scared. And I got down on my knees physically and I begged God to heal our HVAC system. Please make the problem go away or at least be a minor problem that didn't cost much. I called family members. I called friends asking them to pray. I relied on God because God was all I had. God was my heart and I trusted God. And I don't remember all the details. I mean, this is 20 years ago, but I do remember it all worked out. Years have gone by, and uh, I have more money now. And a couple of years ago, my HVAC system had a problem, and I was annoyed, but I wasn't really concerned. Simply called a repairman, got it fixed. Looking back, I don't even remember praying about it. I certainly didn't call friends and family members to pray. And I didn't really depend on God much for a solution. I didn't get down on my knees. Why? Because I'm rich. And my money gets in the way of truly depending on God and relying on God. My money gets in the way from truly experiencing the reign of God, the kingdom of God. And I'm tempted to clean all that up for you. I'm tempted to tidy it all up. I'm tempted to make excuses. But I think it's better to let Jesus cut me open with his words so that I can be healed. <clears throat> Family, I don't always like what I read in the Bible. 
that the Bible is God's Word. The Bible makes me nervous sometimes, but you know what makes me more nervous? Missing the kingdom. I don't want to miss the kingdom. But I'm thankful that with God all things are possible. And when God cleans me up, I, we, can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And that makes it all worth it. So let's keep reading our Bibles. Because Jesus wants to talk to us. Jesus wants to save us. Jesus invites us into his kingdom.